0: There's a subtext to all the recent coverage of Missouri Governor Eric Greitens, the scandal, the investigations, the indictments. All of it is about more than just him. And it goes beyond the governor's mansion, beyond even Jefferson City. There's a U.S. Senate seat in play, and the Greitens story might just be the wild card that could cost a rising star Republican the race, maybe even tip the balance of power in Congress. I'm Brian Ellison, Greitens, Josh Hawley, and Claire McCaskill on this episode of Statehouse Blend, Missouri. A new challenger to represent the people of Missouri in Washington, Missouri Attorney General Josh Hawley announced his candidacy for Senate. He is challenging Senator Claire McCaskill. No matter was running, the race for Missouri's U.S. Senate seat would always have been one of the most closely watched in this year's midterm elections.
1: Josh Hawley is a top-tier Republican recruit, trying to unseat one of the ten Senate Democrats hoping to win re-election in a state President Trump
0: won, Missouri.
1: Claire McCaskill has to go.
0: Claire McCaskill has held that seat since 2007, and it's never come easily. She's a lifelong public servant or a career politician, depending on your perspective. She's a Democrat representing a state that's gotten a little bit more red every year. That's why top Republicans have been lining up behind Hawley, a party-line conservative, newly elected to his first political office. A little like someone else we know. Josh was Josh. Josh, our next senator. Where is he? It's going to be a great senator. Trump won Missouri by 19 points conventional wisdom, and a lot of early polls, would say Hawley's path to the Senate was looking pretty clear. But then came Greitens. Now, Hawley's position as attorney general, the chief legal officer of the state, a state where the governor, his fellow Republican, has seen one legal problem after another, has put him in a very awkward position for much of the last year. KCUR editor Erica Hunzinger and I tried to tease out the threads of what has become a very tangled relationship between Hawley and Greitens.
2: You know, at the beginning of both of their terms, they seem to be in in good shape together. Things. Well, I mean, Greitens
0: have, is in better shape. Uh, he sure. works out with police <laughs> officers, firefighters.
2: But things have kind of turned a corner here because, at the core of it, Holly's job now—he's the state's chief law enforcement officer—and things have gotten a little tricky.
0: You know, if we're trying to identify the moment where things got trickier, or where their relationship between these two might have taken a, a left turn, it was when the pressure started to be applied on Josh Hawley to investigate the governor. One of the first questions raised was about the governor's use of this app. Uh, the Confide app, uh, which is a way of text messaging that self-destructs the messages after they've been read. And it was used among members of the governor's staff and, and the governor himself.
2: Five of them. Yeah.
0: And there's a lawsuit challenging whether it might be a violation of the state's Sunshine Laws. Eventually, the pressure mounts on Holly to take a look. And he does
2: investigate. He, you know, he, he says, I've looked at it and we're going to clear him in this investigation. What his quote was back in March was, quote, the evidence, if it's not there, it's not there. And he, what he really wanted was, or what he says he really wants is subpoena power to be able to force people to discuss the use of Confide app. But he said because he didn't have that, he couldn't actually get the governor on anything, so the governor was cleared.
0: And and I think you're, you're right to point out that what, Holly said was not exactly that Greitens was cleared of all wrongdoing, but rather that there was no evidence of wrongdoing, that the particular text messages that had been destroyed and were no longer available for scrutiny may or may not have violated Sunshine laws, but there was no evidence that they had.
2: That's right. And it's important to note the people that have used it. Holly publicly ID'd them, it's the general counsel, the special counsel, the deputy chief of staff, the policy director, and the deputy policy director. This is not low-level staffers. These are people who are very close to the governor, especially during situations that may have been a little delicate.
0: Right. It's his inner circle. Yeah.
2: Now, there is a second investigation that Holly's still working on. This is looking into The Mission Continues, which is Greitens' nonprofit that he set up way in advance of any kind of run for, for office it is a veterans charity he himself being a veteran the AP two years ago came out and said, hey, look, we believe he, you know, we have proof that he obtained a donor list from that charity that sparked an investigation by the state. Now, that was not an all-out investigation at the beginning.
0: The attorney general, uh, among other things, has responsibility for oversight of the the nonprofit organizations that are registered in the state of Missouri. And so on a certain level, this is something of a routine investigation of oversight. But... According to Hawley in the press conference he held a few weeks ago, evidence was found that showed criminal wrongdoing by Eric Greitens personally, which is more than we had ever heard about that investigation before. We'd heard that they had the donor list. Uh, Of course, the Missouri Ethics Commission actually fined the campaign for using the donor list and not reporting it as an in-kind gift. But none of that ever made clear who took it or how it got in the hands of the campaign?
2: Right. And the allegations now, because Greitens is now charged with a felony because Hawley gave his investigation to the circuit attorney's office in St. Louis, what he's charged with is telling a staffer to obtain that donor list.
0: Yeah. And, and now things are really off the rails between these two. They're
2: really right off there. the rails because Greitens defense team has asked for Gardner to be taken off of the case. The person who could come on the case as a special counsel is none other than Josh Hawley. And I think the question is, you know, he's got a pretty aggressive stance on Greitens now, and that's only been in the last couple weeks. Right. The question is, how is that going to help or hurt his campaign? Because... Greitens went to a place where he had significant support down in southern Missouri, and people said, we're on board with him. So Hawley coming out and saying, yeah, he should step down, how is that going to play out?
0: One question is, does it hurt him in the primary? It doesn't seem like it would. It doesn't seem like he's in much danger in the primary. There are are other candidates, but the reality is that Hawley is not worried about the Republican primary. So he's not afraid of losing that base. On the other hand, if that base isn't enthusiastic about him— come the general, uh, that might start to create the opening. Previous history tells us that McCaskill is good at seizing even the smallest thread of hope and turning that into an advantage for her campaign.
2: And I would just like to argue the AP put out a story a couple weeks ago that, that had the Jackson County Republican Party chairman say that he's going to vote for, quote, anyone but Holly in the August primary. This is a good time for us to step back and look at what Hawley is really trying to push here. He has an extremely populist um, tone to his campaign speeches.
1: Make no mistake, the future of our country depends on renewing the way of life that we hold dear. America is built on our way of life.
2: He's talking about D.C. cartels.
1: But Washington, D.C disrespects us it disregards us the political class doesn't even pretend to listen you know the liberal elites who call themselves our leaders to them we're flyover country
2: I mean it, he's really sounding the populist drum that, that Trump kind of did too
0: and the anti Claire McCaskill totally. drum.
1: senator McCaskill is their eager and willing ally more than that she is their icon
2: now the the one thing when you look at McCaskill and Holly, what they both agree on is fixing the opioid crisis and also to sex trafficking. So it's interesting that they have two two very similar positions on those things, and they both talk about them, but they don't really talk about each other when they talk about
0: it. right. They were both preparing to campaign hard on those issues, but as it turns out, it doesn't differentiate them from their opponent <laughs> really at all. They've each taken major uh, initiatives to to address those issues
2: Now McCaskill is Possibly a very vulnerable senator in her re-election campaign. At the same time, Holly's in a tough position. So here we are, we've got a few months until the the primary. How is this going to play out?
0: This is going to be a a tough neck-and-neck race the whole way through. I think it will get nasty. There will be a ginormous amount of outside money poured into the state.
2: Super PACs have already said they're going to do millions of dollars. I
0: think neither candidate will really be in much control of the messaging uh, that is actually going out about them and uh, on their behalf. So I think it's going to be quite quite a race, which in those kinds of races, Erica often it doesn't come down to the two candidates at all. It comes down to what's happening politically in the larger environment, what's happening in the economy, and of course if the blue tide that everyone seems to be expecting happens in 2018, then that'll be good news for Claire McCaskill, but uh, right up until that day, I think everyone will see her as one of the most vulnerable incumbents in the Senate, and frankly, the whole Senate control of the Senate could turn on this race.
2: Totally, and really, unless Holly has kind of a Todd Akin moment, this race is going to be tight all the way.
0: Ah, yes, Todd Aiken. Few names strike such regret in the minds of Missouri Republicans or such glee in the hearts of Democrats. Aiken was Claire McCaskill's opponent back in 2012, and the story of that race is fascinating. It's a story of McCaskill seizing a Republican's most vulnerable moment and turning it into an unlikely victory. One of the reporters covering that incredible race for the Kansas City Star was KCUR host and now star editorial board member, Steve Kraske. Well, Todd Aiken
1: was a member of Congress from the St. Louis area who eventually emerged as a Republican candidate for the U.S. Senate. He said something during the course of that campaign uh, caught a lot of attention, which was this phrase that will go down in Missouri political history, legitimate rapes. Okay, so if, if an abortion could be considered in a case of, say, a tubal pregnancy or something like that, what about in the case of rape? Should it be legal or not? Well, you know, uh, uh, people always want to try and make that as one of those things,
0: well, how do you, how do you slice this particularly mm-hmm. tough sort of ethical question? It seems to me, first of all, from what I understand from doctors, that's really rare. If it's a
1: legitimate rape, uh, the female body has ways to try to shut that whole thing down. That remark just ricocheted all across the country.
0: I, mean, I know you were covering this race. I remember that he was way back in the polls when that campaign started. He was
1: running in third place in the polls, even going into July. That's when Senator McCaskill had this uh, idea to sort of spend money to promote Todd Akin's candidacy in that primary and subtly undermine the candidacies of Sarah Steelman and John Bruner, the other two candidates. McCaskill was most worried about John Bruner, the St. Louis businessman. John Bruner was a guy who could have defeated Claire McCaskill that year. She knew that. So in kind of a desperation move, she began to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars in the Republican primary race, promoting Todd Aiken as the most conservative candidate in that field.
0: Right, and these were these are ads from her campaign. From she her campaign. Said, said you should you should not vote for for Aiken because he's too conservative for Missouri. This message brought to you by Claire McCaskill.
1: And she knew that the most conservative voters are the ones who are motivated to turn out and vote in a primary. She calculated exactly correctly. Aiken began to move up in the polls very rapidly after those ads began to run.
0: Have you ever heard of that happening? Have you ever no. heard of someone getting involved in the other party's primary that way?
1: It wasn't extraordinary just in Missouri, Brian. It was extraordinary anywhere in the country. It was unbelievable,
0: and it works. He gets a le- he worked. gets the nomination. He he makes those unfortunate remarks, as you said, about uh, legitimate rape. What happens then? How did how did Claire McCaskill capitalize on that misstep by Todd Akin?
1: You know, Brian. She tells the story of sitting at home on that Sunday morning when the show aired, and sort of e- eating eggs or whatever she was eating that Sunday morning in her head jerking up dramatically when she heard the comment. And she knew instinctively, being a veteran politician that she is, that this was something of a misstep. This was something she could capitalize on. And sure enough, by that afternoon, my email box was being flooded uh, by uh, emails from her campaign saying, hey, did you hear what Aiken said today? Her campaign simply drove that that message of, of how out of step Todd Aiken was from the moment that show aired uh, until the story became a national story just two or three days later.
0: I remember the TV ads that, that started to air. Todd Aiken apologized
2: for implying there's such a thing as legitimate rape. He may have misspoken, but I do believe he showed his true colors and his true intent of what he intends to do if he's elected. Accepting his apology is up to you. I'm a pro-life mother and a survivor of an extremely violent sexual assault.
1: As a woman of faith, I must forgive Todd Aiken. but as a voter, it's not something I can forget. Aiken was, in the first days following the primary, was favored to beat McCaskill. That didn't last very long after she got her mitts into that, into that campaign.
0: So let's tell the story of Claire McCaskill a little bit here. Uh, obviously, incredibly politically savvy. Uh, who, who is she? How did she come to be a senator in the first place?
1: Well, she's um, a, a veteran politician who came of age, Brian, in an era when women were not very prominent in Missouri politics. She wasn't in the first wave. She was in something of the second wave. She she came up the old fashioned way, you know, one Office after another, we see a, a change in our politics now, where uh, candidates like a Barack Obama with limited political experience, Donald Trump with no political experience, Eric Brights, Eric Greitens can Josh ascend Hawley. and ascend very quickly. Uh, McCaskill came of age when you did it one rung at a time. You moved up the ladder and uh, then made her run for, for governor, which is the only race she lost. She turned around two years later and ran for the U.S. Senate and won
0: tell me about her platform. You, you referred to her as a progressive. She is a progressive by a lot of measures, but but not uh, not by every measure. How does she uh, rate on the conservative to liberal scale?
1: You know, if you look at a lot of those those barometers uh, that these different uh, publications do, like Congressional Quarterly over the years, you know, she has fallen, Brian, right smack dab in the middle, mm-hmm. literally the 50th center, senator of the 100 senators in, in the U.S. Senate today. She sells herself as a centrist. And it seems to me that, you know, she's always picked these issues uh, as a senator that are are good government kinds of issues that have broad appeal. Sexual harassment in the military, fighting that idea. Sexual harassment on college campuses. um, Wasteful defense spending in Afghanistan. She's been Pointing to example after example of that.
0: More recently, uh, recently, human sex trafficking.
1: Human sex trafficking and the price of pharmaceutical drugs. They're outrageous, she says, going after the big drug companies for gouging the American public. These aren't really Democrat or Republican issues. They're issues that appeal to a broad variety of voters, and I think they've been carefully selected for that reason.
0: She's she's got to run in Missouri.
1: She has to run in Missouri. This is one of the most difficult states for a Democrat to run in in, in the entire country. Uh,
0: Just a little assessment of the current race, which is likely to pit her against Republican Attorney General Josh Hawley. How different are they?
1: What we have seen a lot of is McCaskill again Driving home uh, what she thinks is her big advantage here, which is that Josh Hawley now is is linked, whether he wants to be or not, to Governor Eric Greitens and all the controversy that's enveloping Governor Greitens. How aggressive has Josh Hawley been as Attorney General in prosecuting Eric Greitens and in investigating him? McCaskill said says he's been pretty soft so far. Hawley disagrees strongly, but Claire is driving that point home week after week right now. And lo and behold, we've seen the race flip, at least in the polls of late. McCaskill now leading based on a poll that came out this week by four points. She'd been behind by about that many points a few weeks ago.
0: During a season when Hawley was barely campaigning for the office, he was leading in the polls. Mm -hmm. Now that he started to get serious about the run, uh, McCaskill's got the lead.
1: Absolutely. But what a tough state for a Democrat. Again, the state is Missouri's trending Republican has been moving that way for a number of years. Uh, Claire McCaskill has to once again hope for a big Democratic year. It looks like she's going to get one.
0: And not just a big Democratic year, but a particular uh, series of events that works out badly for the Republican. She had Todd Akin six years ago. Now here's Josh Hawley. He's locked in this series of investigations and a close association with Missouri's Governor Eric Greitens. Uh, He's tried in the last couple of weeks to distance himself just about as dramatically as one possibly could, Absolutely. handing over evidence that could lead to his prosecution on on one and maybe now a, a second charge. But how much will that stick? How much will McCaskill be able to portray Hawley as uh, as being tied up with the Republican establishment.
1: Well, I think based on what we're seeing so far, you can bet that Senator McCaskill will be spending a lot of money to drive home the point that you just made. And that seems to be her calling card in 2018, the advantage that's been handed to her. So she will not go lightly on that point. She will push it as hard as she absolutely can. And maybe also any association that Josh Hawley has with Donald Trump. Trump's still popular Won Missouri by 19 points, still has a favorable rating over the unfavorable rating in Missouri. Higher
0: here than in some places. Sure. Higher
1: here than in some places. But you that continues to fall based on the, the trajectory here. And she may begin pushing that point as well. If any Democrat can win Missouri right now, it's Claire McCaskill.
0: Republican primary is in August, with Josh Hawley expected to claim the nomination. Then, Missouri voters will either crown Hawley a survivor in a historically challenging environment, or they'll crown Claire McCaskill the most improbably successful Democrat in Missouri politics of her generation. Meanwhile, Governor Eric Greitens' first felony trial and the end of a legislative session that's considering impeaching him are just two weeks away. Statehouse Blend, Missouri, is produced by Matt Hodapp. My thanks to KCUR's Erica Hunzinger and Steve Kraske for their participation today. Don't forget to follow me all week long on Twitter. I'm at PTSbryan. And if you're in the Kansas City area, mark your calendars for May 10th. We're co-hosting a candidate forum along with the League of Women Voters in the special Senate election in the Kansas City Northland. It's a true swing district, and we'll hear from both Democrat Lauren Arthur and Republican Kevin Corlew. You can join us at Eastgate Middle School. And you can get more information at kcur.org StatehouseBlend. I'm Brian Ellison. Thanks for listening.